Hello and welcome to another episode of the Southern Hemisphere's number one Newcastle United podcast, The Tune Under Pod. I'm going to do right now what I always forget to do, and I'm going to say please like the video if you're watching on YouTube. Give us a rating if you're listening to the audio, um, and give us a subscribe as well. We're, we're keen to get the get the numbers up a bit, and I always forget that bit, so there you go. Give us a like. The The likes on YouTube are actually a good way of, uh, of getting the algorithm up, so... We're all for that. I am Jack in Brisbane, and today with me is Craig in Mackay. How are you, Craig? I'm good, mate. I'm clamming for some football back in action. I'm missing the Premier League already. I don't know about you two. Yeah, you've still got another two months or something to wait. It's a <laughs> bit of a wait, isn't it? Season seems like it finished months ago. It does, yeah. Especially because the last game for us was like nothing game as well. And it didn't yeah, mean that. So. Yeah. And we've got Keegan, who's down in Geelong, who's watching the cricket. How are you, Keegan? I'm colder than a mother-in-law's kiss at the moment. It's absolutely <laughs> freezing down here. I think the top of 11 today, so I'm all rugged up. Sort of, if, yeah. you see my head, if, if you see my head drifting off the cameras, something happened at <laughs> the cricket, and I'll just have a quick look over. But um excited to be here, and I think we're going to have a very, a very fun pod tonight. I was out for a run this morning myself, and I had to put my tights on. It was cold. It was cold. Well, I had, I had a, yeah, I had a beanie on. I had a beanie on this morning with my run. I reckon about five minutes in, I took it off because I was starting to overheat. So <laughs> just shove it down, <laughs> shove it down my pants. All right. So what we're going to do today is we're going to have a look at because Newcastle have obviously qualified for the Champions League group stages for the third time in the history and third time in the Premier League era. So we thought we'd have a little look at the previous teams or sort of broadly the previous squads that have qualified for the Champions League. So we're going to look at King Kev's entertainers, even though it was actually the season after. It was the season when he left halfway through that we actually qualified for the Champions League because second place only got us place in the UEFA Cup when we when we came second in 96. So it was actually half Keegan and half uh, Kenny Dalglish's team that qualified for the Champions League in '97. Um, so, but we're going to have a look at the entertainers generally because they're they're really good, and you know we've got to add some of them in. And then we'll have a look at Sir Bobby's team in 2001, 2002 that qualified as well for the Champions League. Um, and again, we might drift into the the squad for the following season because there were some good players in that squad. And then obviously we're going to look at Eddie's high flying Champions League marks of 2023. A whole two decades after we last qualified. I'm still excited about that. It's still a bit of a kind of pinch me statement, isn't it? Have you have you got used to it yet, Keegan, that we're actually we're in the Champions League? We're allowed to talk about it now. No, I haven't, but when I eventually get my shirt with the logo on the sleeve, it'll probably start to hit home. But I think I'll get my shirt after the Champions League group stages are finished, judging by some of the uh some of Craig's some of Craig's uh, shopping experiences with Castor in the last week. Yeah, it's pretty standard. Really yeah, pretty standard from Castor. But at least, uh, at least he hasn't asked for a refund that they said they were going to give him, and they've never given him it because that's what yeah. happened to you, isn't it, Keith? Yes, it is. So oh, I should, I should actually get a shirt for free because they've <laughs> still got about 160 bucks of my money. So I might even ask for the pro version just to get a full value for my refund. Robin Twats. Not good. Not good. No. But anyway, we're not here to talk about that. We are here to look at the the squads. We're gonna we've each picked a combined eleven from from those those squads. 
So we're going to build up and we're going to do that at the end. Uh, but we're going to have a bit of discussion around the players that that might have got in, might not have got in. Um, we've, we've had to limit it a little bit because as much as we all love Darren Peacock and as much as we all love Clarence Acuna um, and Paul, Paul Kitson, I don't think there was much chance that they were going to get in the, in the combined 11. So we've had to kind of um, limit it to players who probably, you know, who, who would get in. Um, so we're going to start with the goalkeepers. Um, probably one of the more straightforward categories, I would say. But yeah. I'm going to flick them up for the for the audio listeners. I have got slides here that are going to be flipped up on YouTube. Um, and we've also got the the appearances that each player made, Premier League appearances that they play, made for Newcastle. And with the goalkeepers, we've got clean sheets. And for the outfield players, we've got goals and assists. So, Craig, you do the honours for this one. We've got three candidates who could be in the, our combined 11 for the Newcastle Champions League teams. Yep. Go through them. Uh, we've got the late, great Pavel Cernicek, uh, played for the club between 1990 and 1998. Um, obviously, we weren't in the Premier League at the start of uh, his Newcastle career, but he made 99 appearances in the Premiership and had 34 clean sheets. And following on from him, we've got Shea Given, uh, the only Irish man who doesn't know where Dublin is. And he made 35 appearances and kept 86 clean sheets. And then we've got Nick Pope, who obviously is our current uh, number one goalkeeper. Be interesting if he gets a number one shirt next season, to be honest. 37 appearances, only missed one due to... Uh, was it the red card that he missed the... No, it was the Chelsea game. Last, last game he got rested, yeah. Yeah, wasn't he? yeah so... He only missed one game last season due to having an operation on his finger, but 14 clean sheets uh, from the entire Premier League campaign. Nick Pope. <laughs> <laughs> you know, when, um, when Pavel actually came back uh, and he, he he came back to the club and he yeah. was like the third place goalkeeper and he's, uh, he'd grown his hair out a little bit and he had some, some flecks of grey in there and he looked pretty pretty good. And then it was when Glenn Roder was there and we played a game against Spurs and we were winning quite comfortably towards the end. And all of a sudden, Pav came on. <laughs> it was so funny. <laughs> it was just like, it was the middle of the season and, you know, like there wasn't anything major riding on the game, but it was like, it went into absolute carnival time at St. James's Park and Pav came on for the last few minutes. <laughs> it was just crazy, but it was so good. It was absolute party time. But... What stands out to you there, Keegan, of these three goalkeepers? There's one kind of stat there, one goalkeeper, isn't it, that, that stands out? <laughs> yeah, it stands What's out. Stand Someone making 355 appearances for a club in... <laughs> I know transfers probably weren't as prevalent back then as what they are today, but for someone to make that many appearances for a club's rare in any, any time. So it's a monumental effort and it's a bit of a no-brainer. It it is, isn't it? It is. I think when you make that many appearances, he's he's made ten times as many appearances as Nick Pope, and obviously <laughs> Pope is older, so he's not going to get anywhere near that. Um, but when Shea Given left Craig, it was it was a bit of a cloud, wasn't it? It was a bit of a cloud. He was just sick of it, wasn't he? He was sick of yeah. it. Was it was it was joking? Yeah. <laughs> so he was just yeah. sick. I think he'd been here for twelve years. He'd been through. He was he was mm -hmm. there for this kind of the end of Keegan, start of Kenny Dalglish, lived through all the good years of Bobby Robson. And I think by 2009, he just had enough, hadn't he? Uh, you don't blame me, that to be honest. Uh, I think it was uh, the game at Liverpool, at St. James's, where we got thumped 5-0, I think it was, something like it. 
and he's just sat there on his goal line, close to tears, and thinking, I literally can't carry this team anymore, because he was pretty much uh, the main player in that squad. There was so many players who were underperforming, and nobody blamed him for leaving either, because he had the opportunity to go to Man City. They were on the club on the rise, and we were on the club on a massive decline, and mm. You know, all good for him for going up there to try and make something of it. I remember when um, I was actually at St. James's when Papi Cici made his debut. Uh, and he was in yeah. goal for Aston Villa. And I was at the Gallagher then. And when uh, Cici scored that goal, all of Gallagher then was chanting dodgy keeper. <laughs> giving his turns around and just applauds the Gallagher then. <laughs> and I'll never forget that. As obviously, he knows it's all bad. He knows what the club's all about. And he, he is an absolute club legend and thoroughly deserved. I forgot about that, that he was in goal for that game, actually. Yeah, I totally forgot mm. that. But it was that. It was the Liverpool game when Rafa was at Liverpool and Steven Gerrard absolutely tore it apart. That was one of the best performances I've seen against Newcastle. And Shea at the end just ran off. He's like, he was just embarrassed, I think, because <laughs> even though he conceded five goals, he was still our best player by a mile. They just absolutely like battered it. us that day. I think we knew then the writing was on the wall. And like I said, nobody really begrudged him his move. But he was he was brilliant through the through the Bobby years, and he actually got dropped for some of the Champions League games because uh, Steve Harper played against Juventus and a couple of others, I think it was as well. So, but he was such a, a great servant, and I don't know if anyone will make that many appearances for us anytime soon, goalkeeper or otherwise. You know, no. what about that goal? What about that goalkeeper top that Pav's got on there though? It's a bit special in the key. I was gonna say if we could merge Shay Gibbons. Body into Pavel's gear, <laughs> it'd be like the, the perfect goalkeeper, wouldn't it? <laughs> yeah, that's, a, that's such was a it, nice. Was uh, it Kenny Daglish that signed Shea Given? It was, wasn't it? I think it was like in his very early because he came in, yeah, he came in 97, in January. Aye. So, yeah, it was. He was playing for Sunderland and he was at Blackburn yeah, he was. as well. Yeah. He got a he got a championship medal then. I remember he got interviewed. He turned around and says, I've no idea where the championship medal is. I've lost it. Don't care about it. <laughs> Which I think is great to say, obviously being a Newcastle player. But uh, I, if he was signed by Kenny Daglish, which I think was the case, that's got to be his best signing by far when you think about it. Easily. Yeah, there was another one that he signed as well that did really well and made a lot of appearances, and we'll we'll talk about him later because mm -hmm. he's he'll be he'll be coming up as well. But Keegan's already said you can't really argue with with Shea given for for this, you know, in the combined eleven. Would you go along with that, Craig? Easily, I. No question. I think if if Pope had another maybe three or four years, uh, then you might start. And if he if he plays as well as he has this season, you might start pushing him, pushing him a bit for that for that place. But you really can't argue with that, can you? Shea, Shea no. Given, there'll be no surprise that Shea Given's in all of our combined 11s when we get to it later. Right, let's have a look at the right backs then. Keegs, over to you for this one. Walk us through them. Okay, we have uh, Warren Barton uh, made 158 appearances with four goals and 14 assists. Uh, Aaron Hughes, who made 205 appearances, four goals, 10 assists. And Kieran Trippier, who so far made 44 appearances, scored three goals and had seven assists. Um, yeah, it's very we've – been, we've been kind of lucky, I think, over the years that we've always had seemed to have a pretty good goalkeeper – and a pretty solid right back, if you think sort of even. I mean, Habib Bay wasn't he wasn't that mm. bad for a right back. Even even like I know he might get some stickers, a bit of a whipping boy, but he actually he wasn't that bad. So it has been a position where we have been quite solid over the years. But 
I know he's only been here for well, 18 months, but yeah, Kieran Trippier, <laughs> he's a special player, man. He's a very special player. It's funny, given what we've just said about Shea Given and yeah. you know, longevity <laughs> and appearances, no, yeah. and then we've come to this position, and we're all gonna we're all gonna say, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> he's only played forty four games, and thirty eight of them in, were this season. He started every league game this season, seven assists. Yeah, you've got Warren Barton and Aaron Hughes both played over one hundred and fifty games. Craig, would you what what what's your kind of thoughts on the on the right back position? For, for this, from these three squads? Well, Warren Barton was just a quality, solid player who I think made his England debut when he played for us as well. Um, so, again, Mr. Dependable, you could uh, call him that. Aaron Hughes, exactly the same. He never really put a foot wrong. And he could play either side as well, but I think he mainly played on uh, the right. Um, but, uh, yeah, another solid, quality defender. Came to our youth academy, if I remember rightly as well. Uh, which mm-hmm. game we don't get many of these days. But yeah, Trippier is just head and shoulders, more consistent, more of the type of player that we want to see in Newcastle. He's not really known for his defending, more of a, uh, mm-hmm. an attacking style. But when he does defend, he's still quality out of two as well. In these 33 now, yeah, I think he's yeah. surpassed both of those players at the age they were at the, the club as well. And yeah. his fitness level, if anything, is just getting better and better. So yeah, it's Trippier for me. Yeah, me too. Like we've said on this podcast many times, like you can't think of a, a right back who controls football matches the way Trippier does it. There's there's periods of games of like 10, 15 minutes where he just controls it, which from a right back is something pretty special. And he's only small as well. He's only five foot nine or something. So uh, yeah. to control it the, the way he does, I know that's a bit compared to you two, but you know, uh, he's still there. <laughs> to control also, the way he does is, is amazing. Go on, Keith. Yeah, no, I also think something that you can't uh, quantify in stats is his leadership and stuff on the pitch as well. Mm-hmm. And the way he can help control emotions amongst the players in, in sometimes heated situations and things like that. Like, I know there's not a, a metric or a, or a measuring stick to use for that, but he, he's one of the best leaders. I know it's only been 18 months as well, but he's definitely one of the best leaders we've had at the club since he's joined. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, Warren Barton and Aaron Hughes were good players. Um, Warren Barton, particularly, he got a few caps for England when he was here and he had a good relationship with Keith Gillespie down the right-hand side. Um, He eventually went to Derby when he was getting on by then, when Bobby was there. And then Aaron Hughes was pretty inexplicably sold to Aston Villa by Graeme Souness when he was doing that stupid thing where he's breaking up that whole squad. But, he was dependable as well. But I think in terms of quality, in terms of you know pure ability and leadership, like you said, Keeg, I don't think you can look past Kieran Tribute, even though he's only been here for 18 months. He's just got that experience. He's got the, the he's won La Liga, he's played in the, the Champions League quite a few times. He's played in the Champions League final for Spurs. He scored in a World Cup semi-final. He's still getting in the England team now at the age of 33. So and he's probably just had his best season ever as well for, for anyone. So he's he could be our right back for another few years, and hopefully he is. And I think there'll be no arguments when we when we look at our teams at the end. Right, let's have a look at left backs. This is probably a bit of a different a bit of a different um, scenario to the right backs. Uh, I'll go through these. We've got John Beresford who joined in '92 when we were uh, on the rise under Kevin Keegan. 
left in 98. He played 137 games, two goals and nine assists. Olivia Bernard made 102 appearances between 2001 and 2005, and he got six goals and five assists. And then Big Dan Byrne, who's so tall that his head's been cropped off this, this picture. <laughs> From 2021 to present, of course, Big Geordie Dan Byrne, 54 appearances, one goal and one assist. Left back's been a bit of a, not a, not a problem position because there's some decent players there, but when we look at the, the players we've had in, in other positions um, or through the pitch, it's probably going to be a bit a bit of a, um, a, diff- a more difficult one to pick for this one. Um, I'll, say, I'll say now that I've gone with Beresford because uh, I think he was, he was a, a, a staple in that, that entertainer's team, even though by the time we actually got in the Champions League, he was kind of on his way out and he, he went in 98. But he was really good, uh, good attacking left back and he had a good relationship with with Ginola. I remember Bernard obviously getting knocked out by Laurent Robert when he kicked the ball into his face at Leicester. That was <laughs> That's probably the, the best thing he did. But yeah, he was a decent player as well. And he still lives in the northeast actually. He's, he used to run pubs around Durham oh. and then he uh, Yeah and then he got yeah. involved with um a pub in Blythe and he was involved with Durham City football club as well. So he's still still in it around the northeast. And Dan Byrne, you can't argue with what he's done this season. You know, well, you can. Some people have, and some people have scapegoated him. But I'm not going to argue with him. He's, I think he's been brilliant. You know, out of position, um, and he'll be, he'll always be remembered as part of that unit that's got us back into the Champions League. Craig, what's your, what's your kind of thought process on this one? Beresford, quality player. Um, there, there's just something why I haven't included him in this, which I can't necessarily put my finger on, because he never done anything wrong as a player. Uh, I just don't think he was as good as I remember him to be, whether that's just because it was so long ago, and I don't really have the mm. footage to go back and watch him. But my pick out of those three is Oli Bernard. Um, mm. Reason I've gone for that, and this will become more apparent as we go further through this, I think his partnership with a certain French left winger uh, was devastating on its day. I don't think there was many better on uh, on its time. And the fact he's got, uh, what, six goals and five assists. And he, he had two spells at the club, didn't he? Because we flogged him, I think it was to Southampton. Then we brought him back, but he wasn't fit enough. Then he retired. I yeah, right. something happened with his contract as well. Where Initially, we, we signed him from the French club Le Havre and we had to kind of pay pay a nominal fee or something through a tribunal because we'd kind of pinched him. And no, then, really. yeah, he, he like, something happened with his contract and he wasn't happy about it. And then he went to Southampton, but he never really hit the heights. You know, his, his spell at Newcastle was probably the best of his career. Yeah. And I think he would play for Rangers for a bit, maybe. And he did come back, I think, but he just wasn't fit, yeah. And he, then he had to retire um, when he was quite young. Dan Byrne, um, I think it's just one season too short of him potentially being considered in this starting 11 for me. He has been quality. Yes, he's had a few um, dodgy moments during the season. Uh, but again, he's played out of position, so we can't forget that one. It's not his natural uh, way on uh, left back. But I'll tell you what, I am very disappointed in. The fact Matt Ritchie's not included in this lot. <laughs> Matt Ritchie, yeah. <laughs> or Jamal Lewis. If anything, he's the goat of all left backs, isn't he? But um, <laughs> of those three, Oli Bernard is my pick. I'm going to have nightmares forever about that. It was that game against West Ham, I think it was, a few years ago, and it was a defensive craft, Clark, Dummett, Richie and Lewis <laughs> or something. <laughs> oh, it was God. terrible. Oh, don't say that. Yeah, that's, that's horrific. 
Keegs, what's your uh, what's your take on these left backs? I've I've already um, seen our team, so I know who you pick. So you don't you don't have to give your your rationale yet if you don't want. You can wait till later. But yeah, no, no, I'll go, I'll, I'll go now. I went I went for Dan Byrne. So there's three of us who have all gone different. So that's yeah. how hard it is. Um, for a couple of reasons, like he was he was a part of our best defensive like result in Premier League history. So you can't go past that. Um. I was probably a little bit young to remember John Beresford and especially during during his early years when he when he was sort of at his best, we didn't get much um footage over here in Australia. So <laughs> it's hard to it's hard to judge someone who you haven't seen much of. We did we did get to see uh Olivia Bernardo for a bit during them years where like Foxtel had the games and, and stuff like that. So we were lucky enough to see that. But yeah, I just went with Dan Byrne. Maybe it is a bit of recency bias as well, but yeah, I'm not ignoring the fact that he played a big role in our best, our best defensive season ever. So I don't think that can be ignored. And although he's not as prolific or as threatening from set pieces as a bloke who's ten foot seven short, <laughs> he's still he's still a nuisance in there, and he still causes carnage, even though he's not a part of it directly. And he scored a key goal in the Champions League hunt as well against Brighton as, yeah. as one league goal. And it's the story, isn't it, with Big Dan Byrne? Like, he was at Brighton, he was 30. He never thought he'd get to come and play for Newcastle. And then when he got that they call... Got taken over, no. Yeah, then he got that call on, uh, on almost deadline day a few Januaries ago. What a moment that must yeah. have been. And then for him to come in and play how he, how he has has been fantastic. Yeah, He's always going to be very fondly thought of and he's going to be part of the squad for, for next season. You're playing the Champions League for Newcastle, which, what a story for him. It's crazy. Goes from it watching is. it to playing in it. Like, I know. It's so <laughs> it cool. crazy. But, right, let's have a look at the centre-backs then. There's six to choose from here. Oh, Darren Peacock is in there, although I'd be quite surprised if anyone picks him, even though he played quite a lot in the in the mm. Keegan years. Craig, you can talk us through the centre-backs. Yep. So we've got uh, Philip the Bear. Uh, from 94 to 99, uh, 96 appearances, eight goals, 10 assists. Probably has our most famous Premier League goal in history, I would say, with that chip over Schmeichel. Uh, then we've got Fabian Scher, 2018 to present, 125 appearances, 10 goals, six assists, which is cracking for a defender for 10 goals. Uh, Jonathan Woodgate, only short spell with the club from 03 to 04, 18 appearances, no goals, no assists. But we think that appearances might be wrong. I think, I think it was 28. I think it was 28, yeah. 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 Uh, then we've got uh, Demi's best mate, Nikos Dabizas, uh, from 98 to 2004. 130 appearances, 11 goals. He got that winner against the Mackhams at the Stadium of Shape, so he'll go down in folklore for that. Zero assists. Darren Peacock, as mentioned just before we came on, probably scored the most famous goal that didn't cross the line ever, again in that <laughs> 5-0 win. From 94 to 98, 131 appearances, one goal, five assists. And the current goat of our centre-backs, I'll probably give away who I've chosen there, Sven Botman, who is still uh, in the current squad. 38 appearances, sorry, 36 appearances, no goals and zero assists. You only missed the two opening games of the season, I believe it was? Uh, he was on the bench for the first one and he came on. And then, I don't know, I can't remember which ones he missed, actually. But yeah, he's uh, he's pretty much been a, a stalwart on the team since uh, since the big Dan Byrne went to left-back. 
Some of these goals and assist stats for the defenders are pretty ridiculous, aren't they? Philippe Albert got eight goals and ten assists. I know he was like, <laughs> he basically wasn't a defender, was he? He was like a striker who was playing in defence. Like, <laughs> left his rounds light. <laughs> yeah. There was a goal he scored against Man City, I think it was, where he like did a mazy run and then and stuck it in. It was absolutely brilliant. And obviously the chip against Man United. Um, yeah. And even Big Fab, obviously, he scored some good goals as well. Um, he only does under bastards, Fabian Jed. I was going to say, not many shoot ones in him. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but who would have thought, you know, 12 months, 18 months ago, we'd be sitting here talking about Fabian Shah potentially in a combined Newcastle 11 Champions League Ooh. qualifying team? No, he, he was destined for the pages of history, wasn't he? What's your picks then, Craig? You've already said, you've basically said you've gone Botman. What's your, what's your thought, thoughts then behind Botman? Because he's only played 36 games for the club, league games. He, it's his debut season. He's, what, 22, 23 years old, whatever he may be. He looks like he just absolutely belonged from the first moment he got on that football pitch. I've never seen a debut season where you've come in from a farmer's league as well, to be honest, because the French league is far from competitive, especially compared to the Premier League, and just took it to like a duck in the water. Um, he commands the back four. He, he hasn't scored any goals or assists, but he's come very close this season. But yeah, I, I can't think of a player who has had such an impact on the back line at such a young age and come from a foreign league as well. I think it's outstanding. And he's only going to get better as well. He really is. He's class, isn't he? He's got Champions League experience as well with Lille. He Aye. played against Chelsea. I think they got through the group stage and he, he played Chelsea in the knockout and he, he didn't look out of place there. Still hasn't been caffed in the Netherlands, I don't think. Unless he got, no, he didn't come off the bench. Yeah, he's been on the bench this this break, but he hasn't actually got off the bench, has he yet? It's a no, strange, no. it's a strange one. Mm-hmm. It can't be too long before that happens, and then he'll be he'll be there forever, probably. Like he's going to be with us at the back forever. Keeg, what's your what was your thought process around the the centre backs when you? Um, so I I kind of went reverse. I went like a process of elimination, and then the last two guys I had, I sort of fell with. So. Um, yeah, unfortunately for Darren, he was he was the first one out. Um, and then Dimmy's godfather, he was the next <laughs> he was the next one out. Um, uh, Philippe Albert, I mean, he was known a lot, and and his stats back that up for more of his attacking flair mm-hmm. as a defender rather than his actual principal job, which was defending. Um, <laughs> uh, and then so it was it was it was down to uh, Shah Woodgate and Botman and. I sort of I ruled Woodgate out just purely because of the fact that I don't think he played enough to mm-hmm. sort of warrant and don't like he was great the games he played, but for me he just didn't play enough. So and then it sort of tied back into um, my thought process with with the other two was this is our best defensive season yeah. ever. So it makes sense to have the four blokes who were a part of it, and I mean. Look, look, I agree with everything. Sort of Craig summed Botman up. Everything that I, I was going to say about Botman, it, Craig summed that up perfectly. So, mm. and then and then with Shah, I mean, we had a really good manager who who basically found him, brought him on the cheap, and he was a really good player. We had someone who, for some reason, didn't think he could play, and then we've got another manager who knows what he's doing, and he's a really good player again. So, I think that says a fair bit about the bloke in between the two good ones we had. So, mm. um. Yeah, and he, he could go down as one of 
our best buys ever for the the price he's paid or the price we paid and the job he's done in the circumstances. It's it's an unbelievable bit of business mm. for the club. Yeah, it was three million, wasn't he? Something from Deportivo. Yeah. Like, what a what a sign. And, and he, like I said, he was on his way out before. And yeah. it's funny. It's an amazing amount of players that that's happened to who were, who were good when Rafa was there and then there was shit when Steve Bruce was there. And now they're good again now that Eddie Howe's there. It's almost yeah. like coaches have an, an impact and an influence on yeah. their players, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> and even, even three mil, like that was in the time where transfers were starting to get a bit out of control with the price. Like it wasn't a, oh, back in the day, like three million now is worth this. Like, it was cheap at the time, and it's it's got even better every year since it happened. It, especially yeah. when you consider we've just took seven million on a sixteen-year-old or whatever it is. Yeah, yeah, exactly. yeah. It, 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 <laughs> it, it, it bargain, absolute bargain. That one. There's definitely a theme with some of these players that they're, they're an absolute snip. Shea Given as well it was only a million or something, million a million and a half. <laughs> the amount of appearances you got out of him. Well, so even like, the... you could even say Trippier was. We got yeah. way under for Trippier. Burn, well, I reckon if we sold Sven Botman now, he'd be mm. we could you could nearly add 15, 20 million on his price. If we if we bought him for 35 or whatever it was, yeah. you could sell him for 50 million easily. Like easily, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, like it's actually we've actually been really strategic with our best some of our best players in the transfer market. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. It's good scouting, isn't it? Good scouting, yeah. good recruitment. With the defenders, then I, I I went purely on ability, so I went with Botman because I think he's probably the best defender we've had in the Premier League era, and then I went Woodgate as well because he was brilliant when he was on his game. Although I take the point that he, he didn't play enough uh, and he got sold a bit unexpectedly uh, to Real Madrid, who decided to come in and buy him, and then he had an absolute disaster there. But mm. he came back to the Premier League after that, and he had his injury problems, but he was really good for Spurs for a period of time as well. And I think if he wasn't so injury prone, he would have he would have you know probably kept Terry and um, maybe even Rio Ferdinand out of the England squad at times out of the England team because he was that good. Uh, he just couldn't couldn't get his body right. But that's um, it's not a bad defend defensive sort of setup to choose from. Um, you know, maybe not the best quality players, but still good good servants. Um, Dabazas, like you said, Craig, the goal against uh, Sunderland Laws. Uh, have a, a place in the Geordie's heart for that one and that lovely celebration with his big uh, dimmy rug that was good to see as well <laughs> so that's the defence done let's move on to the midfield this is where it starts getting a bit exciting it starts yeah, getting a bit interesting now there's going to be a few little contentious discussions around this stuff I think uh, Craig no, do you, you did the last one Keegan you do the honours and you talk us through this this is central midfield we're going to do first central midfielders Okay, we've got we've got an abundance of talent here, and we do. and Kieran Dyer. So we'll start <laughs> off with <laughs> Gary Speed, who made uh, two hundred thirteen appearances for the club, twenty nine goals and fourteen assists. Um, Rob Lee, who made two hundred fifty one appearances, uh, thirty three goals and twenty nine assists, which is phenomenal numbers for him as well. Uh, we've got everyone's favourite player at the moment, Bruno, who's made 49 appearances so far with nine goals and six assists, which is a pretty good achievement, I think, for um, for more of a defensive number six. Uh, <laughs> we've got the freshly minted Brazilian international, big Joel Linton, 
Um, he's made 136 appearances. That's a lot more than what I thought he made. Uh, 16 goals and seven assists. Uh, then we've got Garen Dyer. And I can't be bothered reading him because I don't think anyone's <laughs> going to pick him anyway. And rounding off this midfield six, we've got David Batty, who made 75 appearances for three goals and four assists. Um, it's a Cox Plate field for those who are racing enthusiasts uh, who are watching or listening tonight. Now, I need to preface mine by saying I've gone for a 4-3-3 formation, so similar to what we play now. Um, so my midfield three, I guess, was Bruno. I think he's probably the most talented midfielder um, that we've had. Uh, I've got Rob Lee, who is an absolute workhorse, which I think you need someone who's just going to roll his sleeves and pull his socks up for 90 minutes and get stuck in. And for a bit more of an enforcer, just to keep everyone in check, I've got the new freshly minted Brazilian bulldozer himself. <laughs> Big Joe. Yeah. Well, Joe Linton's definitely a midfielder now, isn't he? Like he's oh, he's oh, made 136 that. appearances, but most like a lot of those were up front when, when Bruce was there. So it was like it wasn't really it wasn't him, you know, it wasn't him. What we've seen the last 18 months is him, especially this season. What yeah. a player he's what a player he's been. So your midfield's got it's got that bit of guile, isn't it, with Bruno? It's got the because Rob Lee got, was more, you know, he was more than just a, um, a hard worker. He was quality. Oh, no, yeah. Goal scoring midfielder. He was kind of like, yeah, a bit really. like what Frank Lampard was later on. He could score. Yeah. Chipped yeah. in with it was, his goals. Yeah, it was out of him or, or Gary Speed, I must admit, for that for that position. But I just think, um, I just sort of went with Rob Lee. His numbers were a little bit, not that I didn't know anyone's numbers when I picked this side, by the way. I just went off my, <laughs> went off gut feel. So, um yeah, I I just felt Rob Lee was that little bit of a better bit better player, and like we had some great great memories with Gary Speed, and mm. he sort of late runs into the box and bloody net busting headers and stuff like that. But yeah, I just went with Rob Lee. Rude Hullet, Rude Hullet disagree with you because he tried to yeah. sack Rob Lee off. <laughs> <laughs> he disagrees with me for half of this side, I reckon. When he sees, yeah. I know he watches. So. He does watch. Hello, it, does, yeah. yeah, yeah, he's a big fan of the show. It was um. It was when he uh he, he was he was in a power struggle with Shearer and he was trying to kick all of Shearer's friends out. So yeah, he tried to kick Rob Lee out and then luckily he got sacked and the rest is history. Um, but Rob Lee came back in, got an assist in the FA Cup semi final last season mm. when Bobby came against Chelsea. Um, and then yeah, I think there's a decent <laughs> shout for all six of these players. I know you just kind of shot on Kieran Dyer a bit, and he's a he's a bell end. Let's be let's not be beat yeah, on yeah. the first. That was that was part like, of the reason. <laughs> yeah, yeah, like he, that's why that's why we we don't like him because he's 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 a bell end. And like even now, like he goes on the on the news and on the um, on Sky, and he'll just talk shit like like as if he didn't play for us for eight years. You know, he should know a lot better than some of the things he says. Mm. But when he was fit, he was a good player, even though he's a bell end. He was a, like, he was a really. Some- there's some great numbers. And remember, yeah. he was injured for a fair bit of time as well. Like, them numbers could actually be a lot better than what they are. And they're, they're yeah. still pretty good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He, did, he didn't do himself any favours at, at times, but he was he was electric when he was when he was fit. And he was linked with signing for Leeds uh, in the early 2000s when they were good as well. And he, he would have fit, fitted in there. Um, and then David Batty as well. <laughs> he was only with us for a few seasons, but 
Felt like Wanda, I reckon. Yeah, yeah. He was like, he was such a good defensive midfielder. He would just go around like that photo of him there with the blood pouring down him. But mm-hmm. the time he throttled <laughs> Nicky Burt, that was pretty special. Um, he just went, he went around kicking people, but in a in like a fairway sort of thing. And he was just must have been horrible to play against in the midfield. My so favorite memory of David Butty was when uh, Neil Lennon head butted Shira's foot. And all you see is David Batty walking up to Lennon and he literally picks him up and drags him off the pitch to continue with the game. I love that one. Fantastic. That's David Batty in a nutshell. Love it's him. David Batty all over. And I love the stories about him now as well because he hated all of the limelight. He wasn't interested in the celebrity lifestyle. He didn't care about the money, you know. He just wanted to go and play football. I don't think he liked football as well. I've heard people say that. And like I've heard Shearer say that no one's ever heard of David Batty since he retired. Like he's just gone, he's disappeared. He's just living in mm. Yorkshire somewhere, minding his own business. And that's pretty probably pretty rare. Like he, he yeah. missed a penalty for England in the World Cup ninety eight. Yeah. And I remember I, I remember people like were saying, Oh, you must be devastated. And he, he just wasn't that bothered really. Like he was just like a, a proper salt of the earth bloke from York from Yorkshire, you know? Like he was just like, Yeah, whatever. What happens, happens. <laughs> he was a f- <laughs> fearsome competitor, though. I've actually gone similar to you, Keegan. I've gone with the three midfield as well because of uh, I think that that's the modern way. I think that's the way the way that this team would succeed. And I've gone with Rob Lee and Bruno. And I've actually gone Gary Speed as well. Uh, I think that's a good balance in there with the, the left footer and the right footer. And uh, we know that we you know we like our big. Big strong, big strong men as well, and Gary Speed was certainly last. He could rise, and he would. We wouldn't have problems scoring from corners if he was around. That's for sure. With Trippier's yeah. crosses, so Gary Speed's got into my team. Craig, what you? What have you gone for for your midfield? Well, the, to be fair, there's, there's two players here which um, kind of disappointed or omitted from us. One of them is Czech Tiori. I think he deserves a good mention. His name wasn't just it, isn't there. He wasn't in a Champions League squad, though, was he? That's the problem. None he of the Pardew people. Um, yeah, that's a fair point. Um, but yeah, but yeah, he was amazing as well. Yeah, he was. Um, but my two midfielders, I've gone for a four-four-two. I've gone for an old-school, traditional. Um, I've pussy. gone for Bruno and Rob Lee. <laughs> Bruno so, and Rob Lee in a two. Yeah. So my idea is uh, Bruno pushing higher up the pitch, how we now want him to be as of uh, season coming. And Rob Lee probably was maybe the middle of the back end of his Newcastle career, just sitting back feeding off the scraps, putting the ball back into play and maybe hitting the Thunder Bastard from 40 yards like you did against Coventry in that game all those years ago. Um, love Rob Lee. Probably my favourite number seven in Newcastle history. I don't think anyone will ever top that. Man's an absolute legend of the club. Uh, platinum, Silver Fox, or whatever you want to call him now. He is an <laughs> absolute hero of mine. He's also the best person in the world who doesn't know where Middlesbrough is either. <laughs> That was the uh, that was the story, wasn't it? That Keegan told him that Newcastle was closer to London than London, uh, than Middlesbrough was, and he was right in a way because it's quicker on the train because you know no one wants to go to Middlesbrough, so it's hard to get there on the train. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> All right, let's have a look at the wingers again. This is going to get really quite exciting now. Well, let's do the let's do the right sided wingers first. I'll go through these ones. We've got Keith Gillespie from the Keegan teams. He was there between 95 and 98, 107 appearances, 12 goals and 10 assists, which are numbers not too dissimilar to Philippe Albert, actually. Um, We've got Nobby Solano, who had two spells with us 
his best spell was in the Bobby Robson Champions League team. 232 appearances with 37 goals and 52 assists. He would be a fantasy football manager's wet dream these days with numbers <laughs> like that. He was brilliant. And then we had to put Miggy in there as well because he's been mainly on the right-hand side for Eddie's, Eddie's marks. 76 appearances, 13 goals, which, which all came in a two-week period in the season just gone. <laughs> And ten assists. <laughs> there's the there you go. There's the there's the right-handed right midfielders or the or the right wingers. Craig, what's your what were you thinking for this one? Uh, straight off the bat, I mean it's pretty obvious. I think where everyone's going to pick out of these three, it's Nobby, isn't it? His stats are just stupidly good. I mean, when you look at uh, Armoron, he gets a bit of stick for uh, not scoring or creating as much, but his goals and assists per appearances are far better than what Keith Gillespie as well. Um, no, he's got uh, one more goal, same amount of assists, but he's got, what, 31 games less? So that's pretty decent. But Nobby's stats are just so far ahead, it's not even worth uh, debating on this one, in my opinion. Uh, just a shame he's wearing that awful kit that I can't stand. Should be in a black and white one. Or oh, that time at Leeds when he lifted his shirt, had Merry Christmas, uh, Newcastle. Newcastle yeah, yeah. I love that one. That was it. Uh, I will be Alan Road, was it 4-3 in that game? Can't that remember. was the game. Sure was. Yeah. Two was. days before Christmas. Yep. Um, yeah, I should have had that four on there, but yeah, Nobby stats are just head and shoulders above everyone else. It's stupid. And you, you had a good stat about him earlier as well. Before we were talking, just before we came on, and there was a good stat about him. What was that one? Uh, he is the most substituted player in Premier League history. Most substituted off player. Yeah, yeah, because he played for Villa and West Ham as well, didn't he? Um, in between, he went to Villa, then he came back to <laughs> us, and then I think he went to. He went to West Ham after that, maybe. Yeah, he didn't um, play much yeah. there, I don't think. Didn't he end up playing for Hartlepool or something? I'm sure he played for Hartlepool. <laughs> he did something crazy. But he, he he's a bit underrated, really. Like, still, like, not by Newcastle fans, but I think generally, like, I don't think the Premier League really understood how good he was and what a, what a talented special footballer. And here's the other one I was talking about earlier when we were talking about bargains, Fabian Scher, Shea Given. Nobby Sloan's got to be in there. He was only a couple of million when he signed and then he had um, mm. he had a bit of a slow start and he didn't play that much when Daglish was there and I don't remember him playing at all when Hullet was there he must have played a bit but by the time Bobby got there he was uh, he was a, a mainstay in the team I found this position difficult because I'm not actually using a, a right winger as such I'm using more of like a forward and I think Keegan yeah. you, so I didn't pick any of these in my team Keegan you might be similar with that one no I went I went for Solano on the right in my sort of my front three, but um, another another sort of interesting bit of trivia. I think he's the best uh, Peruvian trumpet player in, in Premier League history as well. So there's, a, there's another string he can add to his resume. <laughs> I think he's definitely got that one, <laughs> that one nailed down. I'm trying to think of another Peruvian who played in the Premier League. I can't even think of one. struggling. <laughs> yeah. I, know. I reckon he used to ring people up when they had landlines <laughs> and they'd pick up the phone and it'd just be him playing like a trumpet on the other end. There, there was a stat, and we've obviously had more Peruvians in the Premier League since you would have thought so anyway, but he was the first ever Peruvian to score a goal in the Premier League as well. Yeah, there was. I think Wigan had one at one point, but I can't remember, I can't remember who, but I think Wigan did have one. I actually you know, met Nobby Solano once in Flares, oh, in, Flares no in, uh, in town. Uh, I was wearing a I was wearing a Union Jack bowler hat and I was wearing some big sparkly glasses. 
<laughs> and I was I was drinking a whiskey and coke, and Nobby was there, and I, it was not long before a game actually. And I went up to him and said something like, "Oh, I hope you're not drinking alcohol or something." He was like, "Oh no, I don't drink. It's all good." So, yeah, he was a nice nice man. He'd be one of them players that the the cool kids say the streets will never forget. Like if he's yeah. playing in. In this era, he'd be like, oh, the streets would never forget Nobby Solana and then show like he's outside of the foot goals and crosses and all that sort of stuff. That's that's the type of yeah. player I reckon he'd be in mm-hmm. today's market. Yeah, and I think he, he went back to um, to the club not long ago. I think they invited him back. Yeah, I don't know if he yeah was he with the... Yeah, he was, oh, I've seen him in... I reckon I've seen him in training. Oh, no, he done some stuff in America, I think, with... Um, yeah, when Eels and that went over oh, that to, was do it. Yeah, the, yeah. to do the promotion for this preseason tour, I reckon he was over there with the fans. They got up, like, oh, they got up. They was going to get up, but they were watching that one of the games together in one of the in one of the bars. Yeah, it might have been the Leeds game actually. Yeah, it was Atlanta, the early yeah. kickoff yeah. game or something like that. Yeah. Didn't you also play with everyone's favorite drug fueled midget um, Argentinian as well? I'm sure you played with uh, Maradona. Ryan Fraser's not Argentinian, is he? (laughs) 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 Yeah, he played played with Maradona as well. I'm sure he did. There's photos of them playing together on the pitch. I was at Boca Juniors. He was at at Boca Juniors, so yeah. And maybe maybe Maradona was still kicking about in the the mid-90s. Well, he was because he played in World Cup 94. So maybe they did play together, yeah. He learned a few few tricks. (laughs) All right. Let's have a look at the left wingers. This is where it gets exciting, really exciting here. So, um, who went last? Craig, did you go last? Keegs, you can go on this one. Left wingers. Okay, we have. This may just be called the French. <laughs> the French. <laughs> the French. The sort of French maverick renegade section. This is of the podcast. So we have uh, first of all Lauren Robert. Who was from 2001 to 2005? He made 129 appearances, 22 goals, and 29 assists. Uh, David Genola, who was from 95 to 97, he made 58 appearances, six games, 12 assists. And our current French maverick, Alan Saint Maximum, who came to us in 2019, who's made 111 appearances for 12 goals, 19 assists and 777 stepovers as well. <laughs> so, <laughs> I didn't pick any of these three in my team, unfortunately. I went I went my own sort of maverick renegade style in in honor of these three gentlemen as well, but if I if I had to pick someone, if I was a traditional uh Craig stuck in 1992 in a 4-4-2 <laughs> I would have went Lauren Robert. I just think um, he was a better player. I know um, Ginola would play with us, but I don't think his best stuff was with us. I think mm. his best stuff was after he left. Um, I'm not Alan's biggest fan either, so I couldn't pick him. So it was <laughs> it was Lauren Robert. If, if I was going to pick someone, it was going to be him, but I didn't pick any of them. Craig, take us a uh, As mentioned earlier on, um, I picked a certain French left-back who partnered very well with uh, Lauren Robert. I think the the connectivity they always two had on the pitch was fantastic. And Robert was a bum-off-the-seats bum type of player, wasn't he? Uh, mm. When he hit the ball, the ball stayed hit. Uh, some of the free kicks, some of the goals he scored were just absolutely sensational. You think of both of uh, Ginola and uh, Maxi, they both scored decent goals. But 
Lauren Robert, I mean, you look at that um, Spurs game where we staged his old goal of the month competition. He had that thunder bastard from uh, the floor. And then on the volley, was it from yeah. some type of clearance? And I think it was, was it... Yeah, Shola, I think Shola might have won the header or something that looped up. Yeah, yeah. Casey Keller was in goal and he absolutely... Yeah, Casey Keller just said, well, what am I supposed to do? He just literally hit with <laughs> absolute venom and just destroyed the back of the net. But I also remember, I think it was his debut goal again uh, when we beat Man United 4-3 at St. James's when he yeah. rifled that free kick past uh, Fabian Valtez. And that was just his arrival. It was like, I've arrived now. Um, he had to tear shit up and that's exactly what he'd done. And he's again, his numbers are backed up. Maxi's quite close in terms of appearances, but he's not going to match his goals uh, or assists when he gets to that number. He's just not as consistent as what Robert was. And also, again, if you think of the set-piece ability in my squad so far, I've got Robert, I've got Solano and Trippier. Mm. I mean, if you've got those three down for set-pieces, I mean, I think uh, Rob Lee may be taking your two in his time, but uh, yeah, those three are deadly from uh, set-pieces on there too. I'm surprised a bit that Janola only scored six goals. He definitely did play his, probably his best stuff for Spurs, um, but he was he was good to watch, obviously. Um, but he was, I think he was 28, 29 by the time he signed for us, so he'd had a whole career in France at PSG. And nobody really knew who he was when Keegan signed him because he didn't get the French football on the TV those days. And he kind of wowed everybody, I think, in that team. Mm. But yeah, Robert... I really, really struggled over this. I actually woke up last night worrying about this and thinking about it because um, I, I couldn't have him in my team because of the formation I've chosen because I, yeah, I, I, was... <laughs> I don't think he would fit into the, the left forward, like the modern left forward position because uh, he, he doesn't, didn't really do the, the work required. But when you've got a left foot like that, you don't really need to. <laughs> I think if, yeah. if I'd had a 4-4-2, he, he'd be the first on the left, on the left wing. He's he's the player that I think of when when someone says or when you talk about who's your favorite player or, you know, he was at that time. That was my my heyday of, of following the club with my first season ticket and everything. And I've spoken about this before as well. But he took a free kick against Southampton once where he was about forty yards out, forty five yards mm. out, and he was in the middle of the goal. He just kicked it hard, really hard, and it just kind of swerved around a bit. It went um, into the middle of the goal, and the goalkeeper still couldn't save it. <laughs> <laughs> the goalkeeper like fell over and it just it went in and it almost ripped the net out but I've never seen a left foot like that it was just yeah it was something else so uh, he's he's a player that will always just be so but I remember at the time as well though he got quite a lot of grief for not tracking back uh, it was a bit like in that Ben Arthur kind of mould another enigmatic Frenchman where like play... messing them up <laughs> yeah <laughs> like in the, the the Maxi, exactly Max is exactly the same like <laughs> He can do amazing things, but he can also do terrible things. <laughs> and he, he doesn't he, he doesn't fit into kind of probably what managers want them to do as such, you know. Um, unless you get someone like Bruce who just says go out and do it, you know. Um, but in Bobby's team, Robert had a specific role on that left hand side, and it was basically just to feed Shearer uh, or to shoot from distance and yeah, score. Shoot, and that's what he did. Shoot, shoot on sight and or pass it to number nine. Absolutely, and that's what he did. So he was such a good player. And um, so, all right, there's been a bit of a little bit of a debate there over the over the left wing position. Um, let's get to the good stuff. Newcastle, Newcastle might not have had the best defenders over the years. They might the midfield has been good, been good, but maybe not top level. But look at this lineup for strikers. <laughs> I'm going to take us through this. I'm going to take us through Peter Beardsley, who had two spells 
of the club, starting in 1983, came back to Keegan's Entertainers in 94 time. Um, and yeah, he was he was he was brilliant. He was a, such a, a skillful player, and he was 35, I think, when he came back, 34 or 35, and he, he came back. He was brilliant. He was brilliant. So he's an option here. Everyone's going to pick Shearer. Let's let's not mess around here. Ten years, three hundred and three appearances, one hundred and forty-eight goals, and thirty-nine assists in the Premier League. That's almost a one and two record uh, in what was a lot of the time a shit team. Um, and Shola so, was your strike partner <laughs> with Shola. Yes. Sometimes he had Shola. Sometimes he had Lualua. Yeah, crazy. <laughs> Les Ferdinand had an even better um, goal per game ratio, 67 appearances, 41 goals and 14 assists over two seasons. Craig Bellamy, who did a lot of Shearer's running for him uh, in Bobby's team, 87 appearances, 29 goals and 13 assists. So he wasn't as prolific, but by that time, Shearer couldn't run much, so Bellamy did all his running for him. And then we've got Callum Wilson, 75 appearances, 38 goals and 10 assists. Bit like with Miggy, he scored about half of those goals in about a three-week period in the season just gone. Um, but he's been a good, good player for us. And then Alexander Izak, who's only had 22 appearances, he's scored 10 goals and he's got two assists. Obviously, he's been injured for quite a bit of his debut season. There's no point in pretending that we're not all going to pick Shearer. So let's just get <laughs> let's just get out of the way now. Shearer is the best. Probably the best pure striker in Premier League history. He's his, his record's probably going to go, unfortunately, to Harry Kane if he if he stays at Spurs. Um, unless he wants to come to Newcastle and he can break it here, and that wouldn't be too bad. Um, but yeah, that's some some lineup of strikers there, isn't it, Craig? It, it's phenomenal, isn't it? You know, we're we're a team known for scoring goals and conceding goals. But when you look at the likes of Beardsley, Shearer, Fernand, Bellamy, Wilson, Isak, you could pick any two of those and there's not a wrong answer, really. There just isn't. But obviously, the big man uh, from Gosforth himself, he is the standout figure in all of those players and he easily gets my pick. And he's had two Champions League campaigns as well. So he had the the one in 97 and then obviously the, the one in uh, 2003 as well. So... There's no, there's no arguments there, is there, Keegan? Who have you chosen to partner with Alan Shearer up front in your team? So I stuck true with my uh, 4-3-3. So I think apart from uh, sort of Wilson and Isak is more of a traditional strike. I know Isak sort of drifted out on the left sometimes to facilitate um, Callum playing in through the middle, but... I actually went with Beardsley. I think he'd be a real handful sort of cutting in on the left-hand side with his skill and, and pace and stuff like that. So he was sort of my left-winger, left-sided striker. Um, I just got one quit. So one sort of issue with Sir Les Ferdinand. Um, <laughs> how is he a Sir and Alan Shearer's <laughs> not? Like, I don't... Shearer's a god. <laughs> She yeah. was above a sir, yeah. She yeah. was at 80. Yeah, I don't know if it was if it's a sort of a Newcastle thing where they don't want anyone from up north. Like it's I was watching the cricket the other <laughs> night and there was bloody Sir Alistair Cook. Like, give us a spell. Like it's ridiculous. 
Yeah, Sir Les was a nickname. I think he got might have got that at QPR, and it just kind of stuck with him. Um, I don't think he has actually a Sir, is he, Craig? I don't know. Nah. Uh, he might be um, uh, an MBE, like a uh, member yeah. of the British Empire, but he's definitely not a Sir. Yeah. But yeah, he he's probably going to miss out on all of our teams, but he was amazing. Amazing mm-hmm. striker. Him and Shearer up front in that season. Oh, my God. Mm-hmm. God, you wouldn't want to defend against them, would you? Maybe you could have like Sir Les Ferdinand and our Lord and Saviour, Alan Shearer. <laughs> <laughs> Something oh, like that. <laughs> yeah. That'd be accurate, wouldn't it? Yeah. Yeah. With uh, When I was doing this, I, I kind of did elimination and I got Bellamy and Callum Wilson just because I don't think they've got the, the quality of the others. And despite their, you know, they've, they've both been around for quite a few seasons for us. I was like you as well, Keegan. I did the 4 3 3. And I had Beardley on the right-hand side of mine um, instead of Nobby. So that was one of the things I was I was wondering about, whether to put Nobby in. But I think I was doing it like thinking like a modern 4-3-3, like the system we're playing now. So I had Beardley on one side and I had Isak on the other side, even though he's only played 22 games. I just think he's got so much quality. And I think even though he is, he's better off up front, I think he could easily play that kind of wide forward position uh, in, in this team. And I think he he's just got more ability than Lauren Robert, like more overall ability. And I think him and Shearer together, well, that'd be spe- something special. Craig, you haven't told us who you had alongside uh, King Al. Uh, well, again, this is where I was debating to either go with uh, Wilson or Ferdinand. Because if you look at their stats, they're actually very, very similar. There's not a huge amount of difference between. And mm. Wilson's actually got better stats than Bellamy. And Bellamy played in a far more attractive attacking team throughout his Newcastle career. I mean, Wilson, you had Bruce for a manager for a kickoff. Um, but yeah, it, it has to go down to um, Beardo, doesn't it? This has to be. Mm. The little magician, you know, we all know Lionel Messi wears Peter Beardsley pyjamas to bed. So it has to be uh, Peter Beardsley up front with Shearer. Those two together, two Geordie lads leading the front line, scoring goals for fun. Beardsley tearing the shit out of people and Shearer just throwing elbows left, right and centre, leaving them bloodied and bruised. And yeah, Beardsley and Shearer for me. Geordie, all Geordie forwards as well. What a what a mm-hmm. strike partnership that is. That's a, I didn't realise that about Wilson actually. So he's played, he's only played eight more games than Les Ferdinand and he's got three less goals and only yeah. four less assists. So stats are not actually that far off, which is crazy, isn't mm-hmm. it really? You know, when you compare the teams that they're, they're played with as well, we had uh, Keegan's entertainers against Bruce's boring bags of shit. Um, <laughs> <laughs> he's a way to describe them because it wasn't attractive football we played under Bruce, not by any stretch. But yeah, the stats are very close, and his stats are better than Bellamy's as well. So he has to be yeah. regarded up there as one of our best Premier League strikers. Right. I think we've done it all. Let's have a look at oh. our our teams then. Keegs, you can do the honours first. You can run through your team. You've gone in a 4-3-3. Yeah, and you've so chosen just... Eddie as the manager as well. Talk us through this. Um, yeah, so just for those of you playing at home who didn't have a pen and paper handy, I've gone with Given, Trippier, Sharp, Botman, Byrne, Rob Lee, Bruno, and Joel Linton as a midfield, and then Salah. That's a nice trumpet emoji. A trumpet. Yeah. <laughs> um, Sheer up top and Beardsley sort of on the left cutting in. And I've just gone with Eddie as a manager because um, I think what he's done with the players 
that he's sort of had at his disposal and the improvement that he's got in them players is like nothing I've ever ever seen before from a manager. And it's it was really tough leaving out obviously Sir Bobby and the actual bloke I was named after. It was really hard not to <laughs> not to have him as a manager. Um so don't, don't show um, your dad this podcast, he'll be devastated. Yeah, I know. <laughs> yeah. Disown me. But um yeah, I just went with Eddie because of yeah, the work he's done with not so much with the players we've got in, but the actual players that we had and he's the the whole coaching thing. And I love I love his work ethic and the staff and how he's brought the whole club together basically, like staff and, and players and it's Newcastle United, isn't it? Yeah. I think what I like about your team as well is that you could actually see this team, like if everyone was in the prime, you could see them doing something in the Champions League. Well, that's, like now, that's how, I, modern, tried to, that's how I, tr- yeah. I tried to pick it, like based on if this team was going to play like, and then try and fit it fit it all. It wasn't just pick the best 11 players. And <laughs> Otherwise, you'd have six might have been paid, but I actually tried <laughs> to be a little bit methodical and, put a little bit of thinking behind it, how it would all work and, and stuff like that. So I think I think I've got a good mix. Yeah, I agree with you. I, I like that a lot. Craig, four, four, fucking two. <laughs> so um, I've got Gibbon and Gold, as you all have, and starting from uh, the right back, I've got Trippier, then Woodgate, Botman and Oli Bernard. And in my four-man midfield, I've got Moby Solano, Rob Lee, Bruno and Lauren Robert. And up top, we've got Shiraz, Captain, and Biadzvi alongside him as well. And my manager of choice, I've gone for King Kev. Purely the fact that, and this is again pure nostalgia for me, he is the most important man in Newcastle's modern day history. Without him, the club might be where it is today. And to me, that's a fact, and I'll argue till I and you are blue in the face about that. So that's clearly the reason. Also, played the best attractive football in the Premier League in Newcastle's period in time under Keegan too. You just look at St. James's Park and that extension was because of Kevin Keegan and John Hall's yeah. money, obviously. But yeah, the, the extension of 52,000, that, that wouldn't have happened without Keegan. You know, the, the extension of, first of all, to 36,000, it all happened so quickly in the 90s with when the mm-hmm. club was, was bankrolled by John Hall. And then... I think it's. I'm a bit disappointed that you're not allowed to play four four two in modern football anymore. No one does it except I think Dyche did it at Burnley a bit, like when he had he Chris Wood and yeah. <laughs> yeah, and he had um, Ashley, whatever he was called up front. But four four two is just it's dead, isn't it? It's dying now, and that's a shame because both of both Keegan and Bobby's teams played four four two and they played it really well. So, what? Why do you think it's died out? Why? Why, why is it gone? It's just the nature of the gamers, and everything's got to evolve, I suppose. Um, and if you're getting more people up top, then I don't know. Yeah, got... I'm not a football analyst or anything. I had to give such an in-depth answer on that one, but I think it is just evolution of the game, to be honest. And not only that, but now you have to have inverted right-backs, and you have to have false nines, and you have to have double pivots and all that shit, don't you? And it's like, <laughs> what happened just to 4-4-2? Four, four, mm-hmm. Get your players in a four-four-two. Get some fast wingers who can cross it in. Put the ball in this Alan Shearer's head and let him score goals. That's yeah. the way it should. That's the way it should be. Mm-hmm. 
I think your team is beautiful on paper, but I, th- I think the reality of it might be that, yeah, it might get overrun a bit. Go on, Keith. Yeah. I was just going to say, um, I have heard this debate before, but I'm keen to hear your two, your two thoughts on it. Um, with, with Kevin Keegan and Sir Bobby Robson, if you had to pick one to rename the East Stand after, which one should get it? I'll go off. Well, Sir Bobby's got his statue, so Keegan gets the stand. Jed? I agree. I agree with Craig. I think Keegan, and yeah, I'm surprised it kind of hasn't happened. Well, I'm not surprised because it was Ashley, but <laughs> yeah, I think I think it probably would go with Keegan as well, and that would be nice for you, wouldn't it, Keegan, having a stand named after you at St James? Yeah, Park. if they could do it, if they could do it in the next couple of years, that'd be great. When I go <laughs> over, I could get a photo with it. Yeah, I was yeah, going to say, yeah. what, why a couple of years are you going to die? Don't die, please. No, no, no. We're going over in a couple of years. So, oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So that'd be nice. But I think this is, I don't know if it's a nice thing to say, but I think it's good to do something like this while someone's alive so they can mm. enjoy it. A bit like Man United yeah. have done with the Alex Ferguson stand as well. I think that'd be really cool. And I know he has seemed to still distance himself from the club even under the new mm. ownership. And I think he feels a bit, um, he doesn't want it to be about him anymore and he's had his time. But I think it's something that'd be great. I think every single person would get behind it and and actually, like like Craig said, actually celebrate him and have a, a lasting memory of, of his mm. legacy at the club. And it's it's interesting as well because like a lot of the youngsters these days won't really know about Keegan. Like I'm 37 and I can only kind of just... I can't vague. I've got decent memories, but I didn't understand at the time of the entertainers like how good they were really and the significance of it. So that's more Bobby's team for me. So a lot of the youngsters now, like they've been brought up on Mike Ashley. They won't know. Yeah. They won't remember about Kevin Keegan. So well, they, they, their only memory was when he, he pissed off after Dennis Wise had come in. And yeah, stuff. he came back for that, a bit. That, yeah. would be yeah. their, that would be their memory of him. Like, oh, who's this bloke? But mm-hmm. yeah. yeah, if you know, you know. So let's have a look at my 11 as well. And I had a similar thought process to you, Keeks, where I went with um, a 4-3-3 with Eddie as the manager because I think in modern day, like, I think I love Keegan, but he was so gung-ho. I like, that. I, I just don't think, I just don't think it would, uh, it would probably work for in, in modern modern Champions League. So, yeah, I've gone with Given and Goal, uh, Trippier, Woodgate, Botman and Beresford. Rob Lee, Bruno and Speed is a good balance in midfield, I think. Beardsley on the right. Isak on the left was the one I, I, I just debated over that. Isak or Robert, but and obviously Shearer up front. And I think playing in that 4-3-3 will play. There's probably a bit of recency bias here because we've just had a, a brilliant season with a brilliant manager and we've been doing the podcast, so we've we've lived every moment of it and talked talked about every moment mm-hmm. afterwards as well. But yeah, that's what that's what I would do. And it's kind of got a balance of all players from all of the teams as well. It's got a decent um decent spread from of players from all the teams. So I had a little um before we did this I, I did have a little look at our teams that we had and the players that we had in all three of our teams was Shea Given, Sven Botman, Kieran Trippier. We all had Rob Lee and Bruno and Peter Beardley and Alan Shearer. So it's interesting that we've all picked three players there from um from the new mm. the new Newcastle United. <laughs> How do you think the Eddie's team actually compares, like sizes up in total against both Keegan's team and Bobby's team. I'll go go to you first, Craig, on this one. How do you think they get on against them? 
I think if you were to stage a, a mini tournament, for example, so it was Keegan's entertainers against uh, Sir Bobby's uh, young guns, I think they were called, and um, Eddie's uh, high flying mags. It'd be one hell of a competition, wouldn't it? I don't think you could literally put your money on, put your house on who you think would win. But you'd think Eddie's would do purely because of its defensive ability and mm. the balance they have in attack versus defense too. Whereas the other two didn't really have that. It was more of a 70% in attack, 30% uh, defense. So, yeah, hats down to um, Eddie. I think he would win that little mini tournament. And probably as well, football's kind of moved on a bit and maybe we're just looking a bit too deep into it because, you know, it's, not, it's just hypothetical. But <laughs> football has moved on as well. So it's like the, the players are more fit now. Like, But Eddie doesn't have Shearer though. And Shearer was no. just so outstanding. So Shearer against Botman would, would be a good battle. What do you think, Keeks? How do you think that might uh, play out, the, the teams against yeah. each other? It'd be a great race, Shearer and Botman. <laughs> <laughs> I would now. Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah I... I was leaning towards Eddie's team. Not like you can't, like you said, you can never compare teams because with different eras and the games played a lot, like no one pressed back then. Like there was no such thing as a press. Yeah. Like get back in your half and get them, make sure you tackle them and, and make sure they feel it and they know you're there. But it's, a, it's a different, it's a whole yeah. different sort of thing. But if you just look at, like it's still a great defence. Like forget about, the way they attack, like the, that back four, I mean, Botman doesn't attack and Dan Byrne doesn't attack. So two of them are just basically defenders and Botman doesn't really attack either. So well, I know Shah does spray passes and sometimes he doesn't mind going on a bit of an adventure up the field. But um, they're actually a really good defensive team and, and even when you, you stack it up against some other two Champions League teams, they'd be the best defenders that mm. we've probably had and like we've spoke about. But the the thing that tipped me over, and I think we had this conversation at some stage during the year as well, was they're great defenders, but like we were putting goals on teams as well. Like we were really attacking an entertaining team to watch this season. So not only did we have that defensive sort of mindset and stability, which them other teams didn't, we were a significant threat. And I'm, I'm not sure the exact numbers, but I mean, we scored a couple of fives and I reckon maybe four or five for four goal games as well. Like they're not, mm. they're like we were, we were scoring when we were scoring, we were piling them in. So that's why I just leaned towards this team because they had a really good balance of attack, but they could actually stop it as well. Yeah. So the both Keegan and Bobby's teams didn't get out the group stage as well. Bobby's kind of did, but then there was another group stage because <laughs> you wait for yeah, doing what yeah. you wait does. But um, uh, yeah, so what I'm taking from this is that Eddie's mags are going to basically win the Champions League because we've got a good defence <laughs> and we've got good strikers and we're going to win the Champions League. Would anyone we'll disagree have, with that? No, we'll have better players coming we'll in have as, well. as well. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. not just the ones that played last year, we'll have better, hopefully. I mean, we've only got 70 million to spend, so that might be a, a, <laughs> maybe a player yeah. in a leg or something like that. So. And, and we'll have to spend 10% of that on an 18-year-old as well from Denmark. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah, so we're down to 63 now, which is not... Anyway, that's been a lot of fun. Uh, it's good to ha- kind of have a bit of um, bit of chat like this in the off-season while we're still waiting for the football to start. We've still got a few weeks till the pre-season starts. The transfer window is yet to kind of kick into gear for us, so... 
But we will be back. The Tune in the Pod will be back. We'll be taking you through the transfer window. We'll be having more chats like this as we go through the through the off season. Um, and it won't be long until that Aston Villa game, first Premier League game of the season. And the all-important Champions League draw, which is 31st of August, I think it is, um, in the calendar. So we've got that to look forward to. Thank you very much, Keegan. Go and warm up somewhere down in your freezing cold yeah, state. Yeah, be jumping my electric blanket bed, I think, and <laughs> just try to thaw out a little bit. It's oh, definitely quick, a... Do you want Go a on. quick update from uh, Edgemaster Cri- at yeah. the moment? A quick update we've got... Uh, oh. Joe Root has just been dismissed. You wouldn't read about his bed stumped. Gary Lyons <laughs> thrown one up and he's come running down the track and he's completely missed it. And Alex Carey's taken the bales off. Craig's got absolutely no idea what I'm talking about here. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> so I'm just stalling because they're showing the replay and I can't actually see what the score is. But um, he's getting. Um- Lions happy. Root can't believe it. They are four for 129, a lead of 136. And my sports bet account would love it if Brooke, who I believe is in now, can outscore Joe Root on 46. And my sports bet account will get a nice little boost come tomorrow morning. I'm I'm not officially Australian for another month, so I'm still. Oh, I'm you still can go with Army. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm still with the Barmy Army. Yeah. All right, Keys, off you go and watch the cricket. Craig, yeah, all right. you're, not, Thank you, you're boys. not gonna go and watch the cricket, are you? No, nah, I'm gonna high YouTube on and see uh if there's anything new on there worth a good beaks. You don't like cricket and you don't like cheese, something wrong with you. All right, <laughs> stay up. See you later, lads. All right. <laughs>